0: Welcome, my friends, to another episode of Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. Today, you're going to meet my good friend, Walt Blau. Walt has had many lives in one lifetime. He's been a farmer, he's worked for Coca Cola, he's an expert poker player, Um, he has been involved in a media business, Um, he's a dad, and he has a podcast called the B Raw podcast. So that's B E R A W podcast. Um, you'll hear him talk about Walt's Kitchen Table. That's what it was called when we talked. Only a short time ago, things change, don't they? Um, and when they do, you're going to want to tell me about it. Go to www.isthatreallylegal.com. You can leave me a message if you have questions, concerns or great things to say about this podcast. I would love to read them all. Also, if you want to share this podcast, we love when you do that. And of course, please subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't have to look for it. It's just going to show up on your device of choice every time it comes out. So uh, we are also reminding you here to think about donating to a political party or a political candidate of your choice. Also get active. Do more than just vote this year. Help other people vote. Uh, yes, it's really mattering as we come down to November and the midterms. Uh, some of us, I won't say who, are a little anxious. So please do what you can in the meantime. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Walt Blau. Walt Blau, welcome to Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. I am actually happy to have you on. Very happy. What do you mean actually happy? Is that like, what the (laughs) hell is that supposed to mean? So what I'll say in my intro probably is that I've known you for uh, a long time. I've been to your wedding. I've known your wife probably longer than you have. Yeah, Um, that is true. And like many people, when I first met you, I completely misjudged you. And Did you really? Oh, si- oh wait, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll talk are, about it.
1: Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> but,
0: but, uh, well, because uh, well, we're going to get into who you are. But I think that uh, I was. It was a great education for me to get to know you because it was part of my evolution of realizing that I, I I'm smart and there's a lot I don't know mm-hmm. and I make a lot of decisions based on incorrect facts. Um.
1: So isn't, that, isn't yeah. that most of the world though? <laughs> it is,
0: but uh, most of the world sleeps through that. And <laughs> hopefully uh, I've uh, this quote unquote realization has helped me help other people. I know that it's helped you help other people. Um, for people who don't know Walt, um, just to let them know, I, th- I feel like what we're going to talk about is how you went from growing up on a dairy farm to being a video producer, an entrepreneur, a manager of people, a world-class poker player, a great husband, a loving father. This, by the way, is not in any particular order. And a good friend. And, um, well, what, what surprised me when I first met you, or what I didn't get, Cause you are a mountain of a guy. Um, you are, I don't know, were you five, ten, six feet? Six foot. Six foot, but you're also like six by six. And that's not heavy. <laughs> that that you're a guy who looks six. like he only lifts heavy things. Well, that's the only <laughs> thing you should lift, right? <laughs> you're a gym Multi- multiple times. <laughs> I I don't like the term gym rat because um for me, well, and you may like it. So, uh, But, you know, you're a guy who takes weightlifting and fitness seriously, just like your wife. But you guys have very different bodies and very different fitness goals and achievements, which I think is really cool because she has not tried to make you into a triathlete and you have not tried to make her into a powerlifter. And we should probably talk about that, too, because that is what a great example of how a relationship works you know is letting people be who they are and letting them be not be who they aren't but i'm going to go rewind fast <laughs> and go
1: wow wow how did you start
0: where did you
1: grow up uh man i was born in upstate new york and you said dairy farm but my family farm we lost that when i was like 1 year old uh i don't uh. remember uh I never, quote unquote, worked on my family farm. That was gone before I got to age. But when, where I grew up, if you went down the main two-lane road and you passed a farm, you could count to three or four and there'd be another farm. What Very town? 40. Was that Chatham? or No, it was uh, Oneida, O-N-E-I-D-A. And we're, so you were like a farmer or in that community or... You worked at the factory, which was the Oneida Silversmith factory. They make like pots and pans and silverware and all that. That place is long gone as well. Right. But, or, you know, it was a super small community. And growing up, there is, when, when people talk about, oh, I would change this growing up, I wouldn't change a fucking thing, dude. It, would, it was just an awesome way to grow up. My parents were great. You know, my whole family was great, you know, family's family you know that's that's a whole other subject but you know i don't have it, it was amazing it was just an amazing way to grow up I, you know instilled a, a, an incredible work ethic that nothing's handed to you you got to work for everything you get uh, oh as a farmer you know it's so
0: funny uh i'm not a farmer uh but uh i know that farmers can't sleep in ever nah. And you got to be ready.
1: All okay. time. Well, it's 24 it, 7.
0: It's like there's no such thing as an off duty cop. Uh, some, you're right. Because right. Uh, let's say it's two in the morning and you are woken up because one of the animals is sick or given birth. Given, or, birth, is a, given yeah. birth is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, or there's a piece of equipment that's supposed to be running overnight uh, that suddenly isn't running or it broke at the end of the day and you can't go, well, I'm clocking out at six and I'll see you guys in the morning.
1: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be there in the morning. No problem, dude. <laughs> it'll oh, be yeah. there, but yeah. there'll be a lot no. of other things there too. And then, uh, no, that was, it was incredible. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and then I got into management and customer service through a couple different businesses right in, in town. And then I moved to, Colorado when I was young and started working for Coca-Cola. Now, when you but, say
0: young, how, how old is he? Uh, about,
1: tw- about 20.
0: Got it. I didn't want to, I, didn't I want to I, I ask you about that, but the only I only knew one other farmer besides you in my life. He was as tall as me, but like 180 pounds. Yeah. But he was the strongest guy I ever met. <laughs> Cause all he did was throw bales of hay.
1: So, you know, mixing, mixing the, the farmer theory with weightlifting, um, where I've, of course, when I, st- when I went to Colorado, um, I wasn't much into lifting because I was working all the time and that, you know, that was just a different lifestyle. And I got to Colorado and I said, you know, man, I, you know, I was working out at the gym and some guys I was hanging out with and stuff. And I remember Bailey's, fitness and you and this is way back in the day if people can remember that you had to sign like a three-year contract with a gym <laughs> I do you remember. know you know and and uh and you couldn't get out of them no no that that was like a school loan dude do you you take that shit to the grave <laughs> but uh so and part of that was hey for a month you get a a, a trainer Twice a week you get a trainer. I'm like, oh, cool. Shit, it comes with it. You know, Hmm. I'm always up for I can check my ego and and listen to somebody and see what information I can get from them. And the guy comes and looks at me and he goes, All right, that's what we're gonna do. You're not gonna be all cut, if people understand what that means. You're not gonna be shredded. Right. In other words, you're not gonna see incredible definition
0: in your muscle tone
1: correct he goes not right away the way you're built what we're going to do is we're going to build you from the inside out so i'm going to give you all these exercises and you're not going to see hardly anything for a long time but it's building you from the inside out and of course the way i grew up i was already built you know i've i've been doing physical labor basically my whole life so he gives me these exercises and I'm like, all right. And I can tell I was getting so much stronger. And he goes, all right, man, you're going to continue my training after a month. I'm like, oh, no, dude, I don't need that. And he goes, all right, just keep doing this and this. And I'd see him at the gym and he'd give me pointers. You know, mm-hmm. he's a cool dude. And then about eight months in, I get out of the shower and I was like, what the, f- holy, wow, that's a vein. that's that's a defined muscle that's actually pretty cool and if anybody's into that kind of stuff from then on i'm the smallest dude in the world mentally what do you mean that you can never be back then and i've learned quite a bit since then but back then you could never be big enough ah
0: right because once you get the bug
1: yep and I got it, and it bit me hard, and it's never left. Now, of course, I've through evolution and and knowledge and old age and experience and all that good stuff. I've learned a lot, and uh, but back in my early twenties, yeah, going into my thirties, I was like 280 pounds with like 12 percent body fat. I didn't have a neck. I had 24 inch <laughs> arms. And I was eating like 8,000 calories a day, working out. Were, two you, and a half. were you getting any assistance? No. That's one thing that I kind of pride myself on mm-hmm. uh, that I never did. And the guy at Bailey's taught me something that I still carry to this day. He says, if you do cardio after you work out, it'll help you stay smaller. It'll, it, you won't blow up as much right? Mm-hmm. Just because of the way my body. And I said, okay. And I still do this to stay. I'll work out and then I'll go do cardio because I'd, Eric, I can, and I'm going to give you a quick story on it, but I can sure. blow up so easy. It just, I don't know why if I'm just built like my genetics or whatever. So I would spend a lot of, I would spend two weeks a year in Maui and my ex-wife and I would go out there, and we'd always stay at hotels, mm-hmm. okay? And I would just maintain, quote-unquote, maintain in the, in the hotel gym mm-hmm. just so I could go lift and that kind of thing. So then Airbnbs got really big, and she goes, we're going to stay in this Airbnb, and I'm like, "What in fucking gym, dude. What, what <laughs> am I going to do with a gym? <laughs> right. So we get there, and I start walking around, and I'm mm-hmm. like, there's got to be a local gym, right? Sure. And I... And Eric, if you didn't know what you were looking for, you would have walked right by it. It was in a strip mall like that used to be like a Chinese restaurant or something. It was just just plain. There was no, no logos, no wording, anything. And the only way I saw it is I could see weights through the window. I was like, oh, maybe this must be a gym. And I reached down for the door handle. Mm-hmm. And taped on the inside of the door it says, "If you don't like to lift heavy things, don't come in here." <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, "Oh, this is amazing!" That is your place, right? I was like, oh, "I'm home," right? So I opened the door and go in, and it's just like this little kiosk, right? It's a little bigger than a kiosk, it's like a desk, and this old dude sitting there. He never lifted his head. He goes, "Can mm-hmm. I help you? Can I help you?" Well, "I'm in for I'm in town for a couple of weeks. Just wanted to look around, see." If I could work out here for a couple weeks, he goes, look around. Okay. And, and dude, I mean, I could see everything from the front door. It wasn't that big. But I looked around. You know, I walked and looked around. Old school equipment. And, of course, being in Hawaii, everything's all rusty. There's duct tape. There's duct tape. There's duct tape Phone books on every bench. There's, like, 12 squat racks. Everything's duct taped together. Plates and weights are just all over the floor if you didn't know what what weight the round plate was there's no markings on them and I'm like this is amazing this is amazing this that's is like right. Disney World Oh 100% right so and it smelled like a fucking locker room so that was mm-hmm. great So I come back up and I and uh I go "Ah, it's cool dude." Uh I didn't see any car- cardio equipment. He was again, dude, he never looked at me once. He goes mm-hmm. I could probably uh, scrounge up a jump rope. All right, cool. All right, I like that. And I go, "What do you What do you think for uh, uh, two weeks?" He's like, "I don't." know. I go, uh, 75 bucks." He goes, yeah, that will work." So I threw seventy five bucks on the on the eighty bucks because I didn't have change on the counter again, dude. He never looked up at me. He he couldn't. I was like, and he's like taking notes. You know, he wasn't just staring at the ground like he was working like a like a ledger or something, right? So I leave. I'm like, all right, cool. I got a place to work out. So I started working out, and now I just went heavy, heavy, heavy. So I was going three reps of six. So to give you an idea on a on a dip bar, I had a belt, and I had three forty five plates on the belt, and I was doing three sets of twelve on the dips. Right. So
0: that's ridiculous triceps and pecs and shoulder, shoulders, shoulder,
1: and- right? And, and it was amazing. You know, I'm having a good time. I'm like, you know, while I'm here for two weeks, I'm just going to keep my reps really low and my weight just super heavy, you know? Right. And I was getting to the point where I couldn't bench or curl more than three times, at, like three reps in a set. I mean, that's how heavy it was. Right. And uh, at the end of the first week, and okay, let me, oh, uh, I'll go this way. So at the end of the first week I'm in the shower, I get, and I'm washing myself, you know, just doing my thing. And I'm like, Jesus, holy man, this, <laughs> you this, can't this, fit in your shirt. This is pretty cool. Right. This is pretty cool. And, uh, I get out of the shower and I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm like, God, dang, holy! I ain't been this big since I've been in my twenties. You know, And it's only been a week. I was like, cool. you yeah. know. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And, um, I kept doing it, and after two weeks, Eric, it, I was a straight-up monster. It was, it was <laughs> crazy. So on the plane ride home, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, what the hell? How did I do that? I understand I changed my workout. So then I broke down each day, just like you would do anything else, right? You're trying to figure it out. So I reversed-engineered it. My every day, dude, seven days a week for two weeks, was – I'd get up in the morning, I wouldn't eat breakfast, I would go work out for an hour, no cardio, I would go to breakfast with the family, which was a monster breakfast, eating out, you Mm -hmm. know, and good stuff, you know, not, not crap, you know, we're not going to McDonald's and stuff, right? Right, right. And we sit around till lunch, have this monster lunch, and of course, that's fish and steak and, you know, good stuff. Right, right. Maybe go scuba diving or do some paddleboard in the afternoon, swim in the ocean a little bit, have some ice cream, and then have this monster dinner. And I go to bed. I'm like, dude, I'm eating like 12,000 calories a day. No wonder I'm getting this big. So, and I was like, okay, that had to be a freak of, that just had to be a thing of circumstance. About six months later, I was, tell, you know, I was working the bars at that time. And when I came back, my buddies are like, dude, we're, what is that? We're, who are you? And of course, I, I shrunk down a little bit because I wasn't eating enough. You know, there's that thing, you know, the gym or the kitchen. It's the kitchen that makes you healthy. It's not the gym. But, so six months later, a buddy of mine, Dion and I, and I, we got talking about it. I said, dude, I'd like to try to replicate that to see if that was a one-off or not. So I replicated my workout and I set myself up for two weeks with just monster meals. Same thing, dude. And I was just like, yeah, I I, I need to keep my workouts to high intensity, lower weight, high reps, you know, that type of thing, you know, to keep my metabolism going So, this was the long story to go back to the farmer workout. My workouts now are just like working on a farm. Your boy, when you were telling me, when he was throwing bales of hay, he wasn't throwing bales of hay till he burned out, until he failed, till muscle failure. He was just, he threw 12 bales of hay, went out and did something else. Right? Right. So now my workouts are like that. I don't go to burnout anymore. I get a good pump, sure, but I don't go to failure and all that. But I my reps and my my reps are really high and my weight is a little lower. So it's kind of like a farmer. I did some research and mm-hmm. but the I believe that a lot of people won't get into that type of workout because it takes a really long time to see any results. Well, I
0: think the, uh, I think what people want these days is to be very cardio heavy and do enough weights to have structural wellness and not hurt themselves. Hmm. But, you're, the, you know, well, first of all, let's back up a second. You said you were working the bars. You were a bouncer. And part of being a bouncer is being physically intimidating. Now, sometimes that means just being a big presence – But also there's a psychology to be intimidating and maybe, and you may not like the word intimidating or you may, but it's all about like, it's about letting people know quickly and effectively that they're not going to get away with it or cause a problem. And that can be a look. That can be the mom look, but like the guy version of the mom look, right?
1: Yeah, right. No, no, I agree. hundred percent. And I would diffuse my thing. I ended up most of my career in that position was, I was a cooler. I was the front door guy. I wasn't the bouncer in the, in the thing. I was the politician. So I would come and talk to you, but you still had that kind of fuck around and find out attitude, you know, right. You, you know, that's, it's just, you're not going to win, dude. Yeah. Okay, so you might beat me up. Ooh, big man, you are. Who cares, dude? You yeah. know, but but you know how people are when they get drunk. But the thing is, you're correct. It was more of the fi- at that time in my life. It was more of look at me, right? Right. You're not climbing this mountain. Right. Oh, don't sure. even. You're not and, getting and, up. No, my, my go-to line was, you might kick my ass, dude, but I'll tell you what, when you get up in the morning, you're going to know you did something last night.
0: <laughs> well, what I think
1: is, uh, what I think you are probably, or were
0: affected at, and would be now if you had to be, um, when I took martial arts in Philly, when I was much younger, thinner, crazier, <laughs> before I broke a lot of bones doing martial arts,
1: yeah, um, the, guy,
0: the guy I studied with, uh, we were like, we don't do tournaments. We, we, we don't want to know how to get points. Ooh. The job here is to end the fight quickly and go away quickly. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you want someone to be down and you don't want to know what happened to them. You want to get out of there. And I think that, you know, I've seen people who do Krav Maga and those other, some other things that uh, it's practical. So everything 100%. I learned was about practicality, even to the point where one of our exercises was. When, when, when you're told something's about to happen, look around for a weapon. Something's a weapon near you. Oh, if yeah. you, you know what I mean? That kind of yep. stuff. Yeah. Um, because you really want to end it decisively quickly. And um, I've not been there, but I've heard great stories of like people, you know, they start and it's over very quickly. And people go, I didn't even see what happened. And it strikes me you're one of those guys.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, the other way too, I just turn and leave. Oh, they would have what? to follow you or no. Oh, and the job that's different, yeah. but like, oh, you know, oh, in real life, in real life, oh, I'll turn, walk away, dude. Cause I know what I'm capable of doing. Right. And I don't need the, I don't need the problems. that will come along with it. Oh yes. Yeah, so as
0: an attorney, I can tell you, you do not No, nobody. You want to have to go through talking to DAs and,
1: no, I don't need. I don't. I don't need that. So I'll be the first guy. Back in the day, now you want to, dude. When you're full of piss and vinegar and a well, kid who doesn't know better, dude. We had a philosophy, man. When we went out at night, mm-hmm. it was either fucking or fighting. <laughs> so if I couldn't find a date, I I guess we're going skulls and knuckles with somebody. I don't know who it's going to be, but. <laughs> well, I'm, but I'm, glad yeah, I, was,
0: I'm glad I met you after you met my Oh, good friend. that was
1: that was a that was a lot of fun, but. My martial arts training, and I taught for a long time as well. And if you came into my, you know, it wasn't my school, but the school I taught at, mm-hmm. uh, and you were to my in my class, we had the same philosophy. There are no points here. Let's go on the playground and see what happens. You know what I mean? Right. I'll pull. I'll I'll pull your ear. I'll I'll gouge you. I'll fish hook you. I'll punch you in the throat. There's no I'll fair fight. Hug- no, absolutely not, dude. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to put you on the ground and me not be down there with you. You know what's interesting,
0: Well, because on one hand, people like you and I, I'm going to say that we're the same in this way. We really try to be honorable. We try to keep our integrity. We try to treat people well. But what I think people who are like us forget is sometimes we are pushed into a situation where we have to put that ethical view aside for 100%. the sake of our well-being and the well-being of the people we love. 100%. Sometimes you just have to well, I don't even want to call it fighting and, dirty. Sometimes you just have to fight to win.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that may include things that you don't want to talk about later.
1: Well that and and I've been in those positions. Sure, I did things I'm not proud of, but I'm sitting here talking to you. And that was the whole goal behind it. Sure, did I put myself in those situations? Absolutely. <laughs> but I've not gone into those places and down those places? Sure. But I did. But I knew my ability. And I know my ability. I know what I'm capable of doing. Right? So that being said, I'll be the first guy to walk away, dude. Especially nowadays. Man, to yeah. Here. Too much at stake. Yeah. Um, I've, I, been I, well, I've, been in, I've been in court way too many times over fighting, dude. We're Don't gonna think. we're gonna let that go, and yeah. I want to talk about I want to
0: talk about Coca Cola. <laughs> how does a farm boy How does a farm boy end up being uh, in a management position for a well? They got to be a Fortune five. They're probably a Fortune one hundred company. Well, like, I, I think. Yeah, they got to be a Fortune one
1: hundred yeah. company. More, I mean,
0: I, if you talk about top ten worldwide brands, recognizable logo around the world. Top you three. can speak right. You could speak any language and know. Let's say probably McDonald's, Apple, and Coca Cola are on the thrones that pop into my head. Is there more or McDo- different?
1: McDonald's, Coca Cola, and the Crucifix.
0: Right <laughs> You know, it's funny. That's a brand I don't identify with, but I hear you. To brand. <laughs> well, so. yeah, please. And when you want to talk to Walt about why you think it's not a brand, you can go to <laughs> www.isthatreallylegal.com And there's a place where you can uh, leave make me messages. I'll make sure, I'll make sure that you let Walt know <laughs> what you think of his the crucifix is a brand comment. <laughs> By the way, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with Walt. I just want to see what kind of messages we get. I
1: love the lawyer in you, dude. I love the lawyer in you. Um, so Coca-Cola. I, so so here's, here's one for you. Do you know how Coca-Cola got to be worldwide? Uh, cocaine? No, I don't know. No. Uh, world War I. World War I? The president said, I don't care where the American soldier is in the world. I want them to have be able to get a Coca Cola for a nickel. So that's Woodrow Wilson, right? Also, mm-hmm. well, Woodrow Wilson. There
0: should be a picture of him on every bottle. Yeah, right. They should be have that frame <laughs> being like employee of the century. You know, but, Lucky uh, Lucky Strike did that in World War II, sort of
1: same type of thing. They just yeah, made so, sure that
0: uh, uh, soldiers had Lucky
1: Strikes in the in the MRUs or whatever, or the MR, yeah. uh, the, the meal plan, oh, right? But, uh, so Coke just threw up these makeshift factories, like bottling plants, like everywhere that we had, a, we had, a you know, soldiers. Wow. And then after they're like, wait a minute, why should we shut this down? There's money over here. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's the very, very short version of it. But, um, I, how I ended up with there, the short answer is a lot of hard work, dude. Mm. It was, uh. I land in Colorado Springs. I needed a job. I get I go to the Coke plant, sign, doing. I remember the guy's name's Bill Bosey. I was f- filling out the application, and he, he walks by and he goes, "You need a job?" And I go, "Well, I'm filling out an application." Mm-hmm. And he kind of stutters, looks at me, and goes, "Come with me." Okay. And the receptionist kind of laughs at me, and I was whatever. So I follow him through the factory, and uh, we get up in his office, and I sat in his office, just sitting there, sitting there, and he's working and talking on the phone and working, and like 30 minutes later, I'm like, what am I doing here, dude? Can we talk about a job? He goes, oh, yeah. Uh, God, Mitch? I think his name's Mitch. Meet Mitch here tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. So I have a job? Yeah. And he walked away. I said, 4 a.m., So uh, March 7th was my hire date. I was single. I was the only, you know, I was out there by myself. Hmm. I started at 4 a.m. My next day off was uh, the end of September. Does that include weekends you were working? Seven days a week. Wow. I was working like 12, now by choice, by right. choice, 100% by choice. So when you're driving DOT, you can't only drive so many hours a day. So then I would drive, then I would go merchandise stores. And what that means is the big tractor trailers dump their whole load in the back room of like a Walmart. Sure. And then I, a guy like me goes in, grabs the pallets and drinks them on the floor and stacks all stocks, all the shelves for Coca-Cola. Right. Right. So I was doing those. I was just, and then every holiday I'm like, yeah, i work every holiday. I mean, I don't have anybody around here. So boom, 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 boom. And, uh, I realized quickly that physic, physically, if you're going to make a career out of it, because this was back in the day when you got with a company and you're like, I'm going to be here for 40 years and I'm going to be vested. I'm going to do, you know, get a yeah retirement plan. That was still the way that everybody thought, you know, it wasn't nowadays where, Hey, I'm going to work for a company for five years or I'm going to start my own company. You know, that shit was frowned upon back then. Right. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to put in 25 years in this joint, I can't do it humping cases off a truck. Yeah, so then I got, that, even when you're in great
0: shape, you're not going to be in yeah. great shape when you're in your late 40s, early 50s. Correct. Yeah, I don't know. We're doing that
1: the whole time, right? Right, right, right. So then I got um, uh, put in for a sales position, got that, and then just worked my way up through management. And uh, I retired at uh, 18 years. I love
0: that you say you retired because I know for a fact that's almost when
1: you really started a whole new... Well, it's not almost. You started, you
0: have several careers. You retired from
1: that job. Correct. Uh, And it's funny, you'll like this. In my 12th year working there, I was in the same position that I left. At that time, you know, I was in the same sales position, which it was amazing, dude. It was crazy. But I typed up my resignation letter to um uh the date 20 years the day i was hired 20 years later i dated it typed it all up and saved it on my computer and it says doesn't mm-hmm. matter i don't care what's going on 20 years i'm leaving and it's nothing against the company i worked for the real coca-cola company i didn't work for a bottler right so you know if you look in in around america they have bottlers. I think Liberty is around here. That's a bottler. No, I worked for Coca-Cola North America, CCNA. But so I said, you know what? Based in Atlanta, right? Based in Atlanta, correct. Uh, Amazing, amazing company to work for. They're they're starting to get a lot of shit in the news now. And I just look back and going, that company treated me so well, dude. Oh man. Anyway, So then I said, you know, well, go ahead. Well, Uh,
0: I, 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 unfortunately I am, I have, uh, I like to keep it in certain parameters time-wise. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I'll talk to you for four hours, dude. uh, So you got to cut me off. I know that's (laughs) that's what we do because I know you, um, I want to jump ahead
1: to when you got into video production. Okay. So that's what, uh, so I said at 20 years, between now and 20 years, something's going to happen. Some opportunity is going to come. I was bouncing and I was doing a little side hustle thing, just making, Eric, I was making 12, dollars $1,500 a night cash. So I was making just stupid money. I was getting paid from Coca-Cola very well. I was making very good money. I said, you know what, 20 years I'm leaving. I don't At 18, I got the opportunity to come to Jersey to partner with a lady that started a video company. And she's like, I don't like the business development. She's brilliant. She's amazing. She's very talented. And I'm like, well, hell, that's all I've been doing for the last eighteen years is business development. And that sounds like fun. Whoop. I'm in jersey. I mean, and let's just call business development what it is. You're
0: trying to get clients.
1: 100%. Or you're
0: and so I mean, I like that it's called business development, but it's it's really sales, but it's no lead sales. You are Doing it yourself,
1: yeah. I had no, I had no lead gen at all, none. Uh, eventually, I did because of the network I built. But from the get, nothing. nothing, man. We were working seven days a week, fourteen hours a day. It was insane. There was so much crying, laughing. <laughs> so, was it yeah. a cold call in? No, but the, okay. So, my week for two week, two years was Monday morning. i will go to a networking event. I'd work the business during the day. I'd go to a networking event Monday night. That was Monday through Thursday. Friday morning, I would wake up, go to a networking event, work the business. Friday night until like three in the morning, I would help film a wedding or some kind of thing. Saturday and Sunday, I would be filming all day. So then Monday, networking, business, networking, doing emails and shit till like 11 o'clock at night, you know? Just, is this the woman that I met? And ash is her name. Yes, right. Got it. Yep. The craziest thing that, that we did, I mean, I, got, I could fill four hours of stories because we just had so much fun. But the craziest thing we did, I sold a lady, you know, obstacle course races, you know, like the Spartan races and stuff like that. Yes, and the mutter, the Tough Mudder kind of thing. Tough Mudder and all that. Right. So this lady wanted to, well, this is when they were coming big, and this lady wanted to be a professional. So she's like, I need to make a video. So for the next six weeks, every Saturday, I hire you guys to come film me do this. I was like, oh, shit, okay, yeah, no problem, dude. We can do that, no problem. So Ash and I get out there, and she's like, who's running with me? <laughs> and I was like, I guess everybody's like looking at their feet, and I go, I guess that's me. <laughs> so I would work a wedding the night before, Friday night. We'd be a jur- somewhere in Jersey, New York State or Connecticut or something to run this thing. At se- be ready to run by 7 a.m. And this run- is not a
0: casual jog, ladies and gentlemen.
1: No, it's an obstacle course race. Right? So I'm climbing over walls and mud and getting just destroyed. And then I would come out of that, go to Lowa Wawa, get cleaned up in the bathroom, put on my shooting gear, which is just all black clothing, and then go shoot an Indian wedding for like 15 hours wow we did that all one summer and I was like this has got to stop <laughs> so we sat there and, and we, we business wise we said okay listen this is what we got to do we got to revamp this because it's not working you know it's not sustainable working that like that's just not sustainable so we said well, we made some plans the business dipped just a little bit when the, we made those plans and then it dude it skyrocketed <laughs> I have, I have
0: seen you at networking events, and you are, you know, here's the thing. Anybody can do it. You have to know who you are. So, so here's the deal. You and I are very different people, but you and I are both, I think, good at networking because we take our attention off ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't go in there like, how am I going to get business? Correct. I think you and I go in there like, it's showtime make <laughs> <Yeah, no. laughs> right? like, <like>, up <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, first of all if we're not having fun we ain't doing it nope, and that's not to say it's not work correct but, but like I, uh, I, I have been to some networking things where I leave going well I'm not going to this group again because all that happens is everybody is pushing themselves and they're not asking any questions about me and they're not telling me about other people or introducing me Mm-hmm. And it's just stale. And then there's other places where it's all about everybody else. A couple of them leave me a little like, uh, oh, you want me to join your mafia family? Like, you know, what have you brought to the table this table. week? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, your wife uh, is really good at it, too. I watched your wife in a meeting and everybody loves both of you and your wife is so like the three of us couldn't be more different we're three different styles of our thing she is really good at it she's got a million dollar smile she's very good at asking questions she's charming and but not but not um not in a two-cent charming kind of way you know what i mean she's still a gangster (laughs) <laughs> well and by the way also an excellent martial artist a second degree oh. black belt if i'm not mistaken in yeah has yeah. to kick her ass dude well you weigh about 200 pounds more than her my friends so here's one for you <laughs> like, yeah, there's it, it, no answer it, it, yeah right <laughs> so she has a she by the way a, a roundhouse kick does not impress me when it's when
1: it's you know a twig well, that's kind of what I'm thinking. There's no there, there's no kinetic energy there, so it doesn't matter. She's but, she's 85 pounds but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So my I, I you know did something to my elbow one time, and I said, all right, I'll pu- put a little stuff on it, make it feel better. I put a brace on it, right? Mm-hmm. So now the obviously the lower part of the the brace is on my forearm, mm-hmm. and obviously the upper part is on my you know my upper arm bicep tricep. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here doing some work or I'm doing something around the house. And she goes, she walks by me and she goes, wait a minute. Comes over and looks at my arm. She goes, that's my knee brace. (laughs) I go, it's pretty good, actually. (laughs)
0: Uh, And we're just going to officially say that is the only piece of clothing or attire of hers Uh, that you wear. Is that accurate? You know what? We're going (laughs) to... And now another, another segue. Um, you, you are an excellent poker player. And what I really love, one of the things I love about you is that you are folksy. I'm what? You're folksy. Okay. I I mean, is that okay to say? Would you agree with that? absolutely. Absolutely. You, you do not think of yourself as sophisticated. You don't. You know, if you can use a two-syllable word, that's fine. You don't have to search for a four-syllable word. You know, you are happy just saying it like it is. And you have no problem getting your hands dirty or getting sweaty. Mm. But that, I, in my past, I'm just going to cop to this. I thought what that would translate to not that smart. Not in you specifically to you. Sure. I meant just in general. Sure, And I I learned expensively a couple of times that that's not accurate. (laughs) And that you are, and I don't want to embarrass you, you are one of the smartest guys I know in many ways. Um, You're really great at poker, in my opinion. Because I I see you consistently win. And it's not just the charity games. Um, There's other games that I won't go into, and also the real deal in casinos. And while I'm not going to pick your brain about um, uh, Texas Holden. Um, I feel like there's two aspects of that game. I'm, there's probably more, but the two aspects that I can think of off the top, top of my head that you're really good at. Um, one is, of course, getting a sense. Uh, and I don't know if you do this by knowing the odds, doing calculations in your head, or just having a gut feeling that when you look at your hold cards and you look at what's on the table, you get a sense of wh- when you should hang in there, when you should fold, when you should bet. Some of that, I would part of it I would bet is based on calculations and odds that you just know or you calculate. The other part is with all of that stuff, reading the table and the other players. Is any of what I said accurate or am I full of crap?
1: No, you're accurate, and I'll just tune it up a little. First of all, thanks for the compliment, dude. Uh, I do truly enjoy the game. I enjoy the game. Sure, everybody loves winning. I'll give you that, right? But I do enjoy the game because of the competition, and we've been talking about, you know, I'm a bigger guy. I do enjoy playing sports. Has my size been an advantage? Absolutely, right? Mm -hmm. The poker table. I don't give a shit how big you are, right? So there's an equal, there's an equalizer. There's some amazing lady players who are probably 80 pounds. they whip my ass, dude. (laughs) And I don't pay extra for it, but anyway, that's, (laughs) but uh, yes. So in, in my success, uh, it's, yeah, I do put time in to learn. Okay, I watch videos, I read books, I do calculations, I figure out, okay, if I have this hand, normally I have X amount of percentage, da-da-da-da-da. Sure, you do have to know some kind of, I call it country boy math, right? <laughs> 52 cards, four suits, 13 cards. You know, you can do pretty quickly math, the 10 people at the table,
0: yada yada yada.
1: right? But a big part of my success is and val compliments it to me all the time, and she sometimes she gets a little, and I don't know if this is the right word, but she gets a little pissy because I analyze stuff that we're doing in our relationship or in the house. She goes, "You're you're doing it like you're playing poker, because what you're doing is you're going to say this, I'm going to say this, you're going to say this, you're going to say this, and then you go, okay, now I can make a decision." Because that's in, in cards. Okay. I you guess. game it out. You game it out. It's not much different from chess, really. Right. That's it. No, 100. Absolutely. Some of the best card players are awesome chess players. So you're like, okay, if I'm going to bet this, and if he does or she does this, I'll do this and vice versa. You know, and you just kind of figure it out. A lot of it is the player, dude. I was to the point one time I was just going to Vegas a lot, probably 30% of times I wouldn't even look at my cards. I, I would I would seriously not look at my cards. When well, now when you say at your cards, you mean the hold cards. My hold cards. For would, people who don't know uh
0: Texas Hold'em, you get two cards that you put down that you only you see. And then the dealer, whether it's a professional dealer or it's someone who has the dealer button when you're playing self-deal like at a home game. Right. Um, they deal the cards and then they also put three cards in the middle of the table that are the flop. And then there's more cards, and I'm not going to get into the whole turn in the river stuff, but watch it on TV, people, or Google it, okay? This is not a poker podcast.
1: Yeah, so basically you have your two whole cards, and then you have five community cards, and the best hand wins. And not necessarily the best hand by the book. It's the guy raking the chips has the best hand. Hey, how many times do people,
0: well, I know I have. Uh, I thought I had a crap hand, so I fold before more cards get exposed, and, and you know that's just the way it goes
1: well, that's just like in that's just like warfare in a way I'm putting pressure on you I'm putting fear into you because you have something that I want, right, and you're trying to protect that so if I put pressure on you and you're like, do I hang on to what I want or do I do this and maybe potentially lose what I have, right? To where, you know, I'm the. Ty- There's a couple different types of poker players. There's many, but I'm mm-hmm. just going to narrow it down to two. There's some that play their stack of chips. They just call it a stack. It's the chips that you have that represent some kind of value of money. And they'll they'll play it and they'll keep it level and they'll they'll keep a certain amount and they want a certain amount and they play that way. And I'm the type of player. That my chip stat goes, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Because I'd like to get in there and tangle with you, and then I have the reputation at a table that I will get in there with shit hands, and I'll play you because I'll put fear into that you're going to lose all your chips. you're going to call me or lose all your chips, one of the, or fold. Uh-huh. You make the decision. right? So that's where you know you just have to have that. That's where the intimidation comes from. It's not your size, it's. I want all your chips and you don't want to give them (laughs) up, (laughs) but I do. I love the game, man. It's taken me all over the world. Uh, I've met some of the most amazing people at a poker table uh, because they come from all over the world. And normally you sit with the same people for six, seven, eight, nine hours at a time. So you get to know people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just, I love the game, man. And, and, and uh, my, you know, Val, my wife, She's seen me go into a poker game and not come out for 13, 14 hours. And I haven't drank anything. I haven't ate anything. I think I went to the bathroom once. I just get so involved, Eric. I just, I'm in like a bubble, man. The world just doesn't exist. And it's. What I I like about that, well, what I like about the way you play, though, is you're more interested
0: in the game than the gambling. And I want to be clear with people because I've been to. This happened to me at Reno. I like to play blackjack for fun. Um, it's, not, it's not remotely like Texas Hold'em. I just want to be clear. It's a very different kind of game with very different odds and very different mm. uh, strategies. But I like it anyway. And, you know, if I'm in Vegas, I'm at the Bellagio. they I, I don't even know if they still have $5 tables, you know. But no, that's, not, that, not, that's not at the Bellagio. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's my style. You know, it's like five, I'm, I'm not spending big money. I played at the Paris and a couple of Caesars, whatever. Sure. I went to Reno once for work and I went on what I thought was, you know, just a small table. It was a $5 table and there were people who were, I'm just going to call them degenerate gamblers yes. and they were playing for the rent. Absolutely. I'm and sure. yeah. And, and if I did something that they felt hurt their play, they let me know at the table. Oh, and I got, I just, I played one hand with those people and I got up yep. and it's not like I'm stupid, but they're the intensity of play. And you could tell by how much they were drinking, what they were wearing. And it was freaking Reno, by the way. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation and if you're from dude, reno i'm sorry but again you're not vegas go ahead
1: dude i, t- I tell that story that that conversation you and i had about vegas and reno i tell that i tell that story all the time all- i love that story okay but then so I, yeah but then i say that atlantic city's their mom Ah, uh,
0: so for, for people who want to know, um, I've been to both, I've been to all three places and you're right.
1: Same, same here. I've been. All so,
0: three uh, so Vegas is like a 25 year old, especially the Vegas that I know, which is the strip really maybe just off the strip. If I think the hard rock's not technically on the strip. Um, and there's some other good places just off. Uh, but you know, you go to Bellagio, Paris, Caesars, and, um, it's like the 25 year old hot girl who's got a brand new cool tattoo, i don't know if it's her natural hair color but it looks pretty great her makeup's good as she's gravity has not
1: gravity hasn't introduced himself yet everything is uh
0: pointed in the right directions and happy and you know it's all that reno is her 40 year old older sister who her lipstick's on her teeth uh she's got a tasmanian devil uh tattoo that's kind of mushy and bled over and so you can't tell exactly what it says underneath but it probably wasn't great anyway calls everybody hun because she's been (laughs) drinking and drinking (laughs) right and you're like is that like that voice that it's you know that's an older voice than it should be all that stuff um and you know i look this may not be flattering but the point is i stayed in one of the better hotels in reno it was not great.
1: So, oh, okay. Okay. I stayed but at still, a Hilton. But still, you know, the 40-year-old sister's still a good time.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Uh, I, you know what? I, I don't want to talk too much about it. Atlantic City, on the other hand, I went there to try twice to get on Jeopardy and fail both times. Uh, so, I, I will tell you this. For people who tried to get on Jeopardy, it's the questions on the actual game are easier than the qualifying questions.
1: Really? And, oh, that's yeah. Kind of
0: fun to, that's kind of cool to know. Because uh, to get in, they really make it hard. And wow. there are some categories that I'm just completely blind. You know, some yeah. obscure sports stuff. Gone. Not, not me. And geography, I can barely find myself. So when they talk oh. about what river in Hungary, it's like, oh, thank you. I'm done.
1: So the first thing that popped in my mind when you said that, uh, you know, the qualifying questions are harder than what's on there.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. The the phrase that popped into my mind was you price beer, like if you have a bar, Mm -hmm. you price beer to keep people out, not to bring people in.
0: That's that's interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Yep. So if you go to a place and you're like, wow, man, this beer is for for $7.25. Yeah, because then you look around and you're like, ah, that element is not in here. That wants three dollar beer, and right? that that's the
0: same at certain restaurants for coffee for or breakfasts. If it's a ten dollar cup of coffee, we hundred percent
1: absolutely. So now Jeopardy makes it super hard to get on there to to uh, filter that out. So they, that's just
0: my. you you're absolutely right, and they also do tests. You can pass all of that, and you can still fail the TV screening test. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, anywho, I want to get to you now. Um, first of all, when I said you're, you're you know, the gambling thing, um, for people who don't understand the difference between playing the game for fun and skill um, versus becoming uh, addicted to gambling, um, it's you know, just a completely
1: different situation. You know right? what stopped? You know what helped me? what's that to not become that gambler what's that a p&l sheet and so you're a profit and loss sheet for
0: your personal for your financials of how you how much you make or
1: lose in a year or a month or whatever yep so the guy that the way i was taught to play poker i've always gambled and played cards you know old school game old school card games, you know, stud and all that stuff. Right. 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 And then a hold got big and this gentleman was nice enough. I'd go see him once a week and he'd have a computer up and it was online and he'd say, and he would teach me position. And this is how you bet. And this is don't don't You know, he got to the point where he goes, I can't teach you anything else. Just go out and see millions and millions and millions of hands. It's the best teacher. And he goes and keep a P and L sheet. I said, copy that. And then part of the PL sheet is you never spend more than half your bankroll. So if you got $1,000 in your p and sheet, you never spend more than $500 uh, on one game. That's, that was kind of the theory back in the day. So you never risk your whole bankroll on one game. But uh, that would check me because I'd be like, oh, I want to go play in this tournament. Oh, wait a minute. Do I have enough money? So it wasn't, I wasn't dipping into my rent, and I wasn't dipping into my car payment and I wasn't doing that. Right. So I'd be like, do I have enough money? No. So what you do is you go play in a lower stakes game, try to win that to make more money in your bankroll. And you just build it up like that. So in a way doing it that way, one, it taught me to bet, to keep track of money and not become a degenerate gambler. And then it also taught me, I saw more hands. I played more poker because I had to play these smaller stakes games. So I was evolving. Right. So,
0: you know, I also used to, when I would play the occasional charity tournament and other, before we even met, some people would lose early and then just go off and start their own games. And they were different stakes. (laughs) That's a,
1: so, and the thing is too, you see like in movies and shit where somebody walks up to a, uh, door and they knock on it and that they slide the door open and they that shit is real i've been to a bunch of those games right but the funniest game that i've ever been to because where i was campbell's legal so you go to the you get a text message you, you're going to the same bar mm-hmm. right so you get a text message of what drink you're going to order they say order this drink okay, mm-hmm. copy that So you walk in, and and the buy-in's like 500 bucks. Okay. So you walk in, and you're like, hey, I'll take a whatever drink. And usually it was some foo-foo drink. Right. right? Like a Harvey Wallbanger or something. Yeah, it had umbrellas in it and bright pink and all the shit, you know? And you're in like a a blue-collar bar. (laughs) So now you're like, what the hell, dude? (laughs) And they're like, it's 500 bucks. And you give the lady 500 bucks, and she gives you a chip back. Gotcha. So now I just bought a drink for 500 bucks. I'm not gambling. Right. I just paid 500 bucks for his drink. So then you take that chip down into the basement or the attic, depending on what bar you are in, back room, and they would give you different denominations of chips. Now you could play for sure. that tournament. Uh, so it's, it's, that, was kind of, that was a regular game for me. So that was kind of fun. You know, people that they see that stuff in a movie, uh, obviously, movies are based on reality, uh, so that stuff does happen. And well, though, those places, you. This is the reason I was telling you the story. Sure, those places you see the crazy degenerate gamblers. It, it, Eric, their, they're their they're life happen. is on the line. It's sad. It's it, it, you just go. Wow, this is this is sad, dude. This is okay. Well, that's that's your that's your right, dude. You can do that, but wow. So anyway. On, on that note, we're gonna wrap up soon.
0: Uh I obviously have to have you back because we didn't touch on many <laughs> things that I thought we would. Um, is there anything that you wanted to talk about in this call that we didn't get to? Nah, we'll we'll do it again and then we'll uh, get back into you know what I didn't do is you have a podcast, Walt's Kitchen Table. And I just want people to know about it. And you know, I'll put it in the bio when I put it on the website. Um I think you, you do your version of this, or I do my version of what you do, which is we just talk to people. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with one of your manifestos or basic beliefs, which is you can always, lurk, you can always learn something from somebody else. I'm not saying it the way you do. What, what is your, the thing that you, you so my, say?
1: Yeah, my tagline is everyone you meet knows some, something you don't. Right. And that is 100% accurate in my experience. But you got to check your
0: ego to listen to what they have to say. Well, you know, I'm just going to (laughs) throw a little credit also. It's harder for me sometimes than other times. Uh, You and I have good friends, Ariel and Shia Kane. They do a lot of seminars on something called instantaneous transformation. And I also learned a lot there. And that's how you and I met. And that is what they teach and how they coach is really helpful in being able to yeah. hear what other people have to say. 100%. Uh, and you and I both met uh, our wives as a result of those things.
1: Oh, well, that's well, no. My, you, didn't, no. Uh, you didn't meet her there, but you kept her. <laughs> you yeah, got no, her kept good, her. <laughs> that, that, that's a good point. She's like, hey, you want to go to this thing? And at the time, I'm like, I just want to get laid. So, yeah, I'll go with you. And, uh, and yeah, no, I've learned a lot. It's been a huge benefit for our relationship and it's been a huge benefit for me. Um, I, I enjoy it tremendously. I've met some of the, mo- again, some of the most amazing people that, I've, that I know and as part of our life. So yeah, that's a, it's a cool thing. I know you uh, promote it and put it in your links and stuff. So I'll let people do that. But as far as uh, my show, uh, same kind of format. Organic evergreen conversation, but how mine? Would if you don't mind? It's- no, please. Okay, that's why I asked. So uh, I love telling stories. Love it. I love telling stories. You can see I just Eric had just checks me all day long. So <laughs> well, and you're good at great. Uh, I did a ton of public speaking at uh, when I was an entrepreneur when I had my own business, and because. I, I just did a lot. We won't get into these. I did a ton of public speaking, but it was always driven around. It was always pinpointed around entrepreneurship, building business, doing that kind of thing. So I'd get off the stage or I'd be driving home and I'd be like, man, that was super cool, but there's like something missing, right? There's just something missing. And uh, Val took me on a surprise date one time and it was to a story slam. And what that is, is you get up in front of people and you tell a story, right? Mm-hmm. So she kind of hints that that's what we're doing. We get to this place and I'm like, I get up there and the lady's like, you didn't know you were telling a story. And I'm like, Nope. And she's like, you got a story. I'm like, lady, do I have stories? (laughs) And she's like, you didn't rehearse them." I go, I lived them." I mean, what, 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 and she's like, "A podium's all yours, Eric, I'm telling you. It was like lightning struck after that. People came up to me after and like, that was amazing. Thanks for, there's no ceiling. There's no ceiling. There's no walls. You could talk about anything when you're telling stories. You can go in 15 different directions, all that kind of thing. So then um, over the holiday, I'm laying in in my bed and I'd literally sit up straight and go, everybody's in the kitchen. (gasps) And I come out to our table, you know, it's not a kitchen or anything, but just the way our apartment is start jotting notes and where it comes from is the inspiration is when i grew up where i was growing up and still the same now i believe when you go to somebody's house where does everybody congregate in the kitchen right all the rooms are all the rooms around the kitchen are empty and they're standing room only in the kitchen right because that's where everybody feels comfortable and in my house is no different. My mom would sit in front and at the head of the table is a round table, but basically the head of the table, the refrigerator behind her with so many fucking magnets on it. I don't know how the refrigerator kept working because she put so all the magnets on where she travel and she sit <laughs> right. there and smoke and drink her coffee and just run. Just I've learned so many life lessons, heard stories, you laugh, you cry. You just learned everything growing up at the kitchen table. So, the theory behind my platform is come sit with me at my table and let's just hang out and talk just like we would physically if I came over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been an absolute blast. When I get back from vacation, it's going to be my hundredth episode. That is awesome. I'm
0: closing in on mine, but um I want to say that you have helped me, by the way. Uh, Oh,
1: thanks, man. I let people
0: know that, no, you've literally given me some assistance. Um, And you and Val were here before you had uh, uh, your son. I didn't want to know if I really want to mention his name on the air. But um, since you've been here. We call him the little man. (laughs) Since you've been here, we renovated our apartment. And one of the reasons that we did it was because before, if someone was in the kitchen, it was the smallest place in the house. And it was hard to talk to them from the other rooms. So we just got rid of the walls.
1: Ah, (laughs) very nice, dude. one big room. Oh, that's the way it should be.
0: Yeah, we're going to have
1: you guys over sometime soon, I hope. Yeah, and then we bring the little Uh, man over, dude. Bring him. But yeah, so that's where my conversation, you know, that's where my platform comes from. And I like evergreen conversation, and I stay away from politics and religion on my platform.
0: You do. I think you pretty much stay away from them all the time in my experience. You and I have never talked about them.
1: Nah. I mean, I, I believe, Eric, I truly believe in my heart you and I could sit and have a great conversation about that stuff. Because you would listen to my side, I would listen to yours, and I'd be like, that's cool, you agree with it. I don't like it. that's cool. You like it. And you'd be like, okay, cool. You're not going to offend yourself with it, right? So I believe you and I could have a great conversation, but not many
0: people can. No, and I I also know that you, I've seen you with all kinds of people, with friends of ours who have very different lifestyles and beliefs than yours. And I never get the sense that you feel anything but love and admiration for all of them.
1: I I was taught from a young age, man, you just, you like everybody until they give you a reason not to like him
0: well people you better <laughs> like Walt because he's big and he you yeah, might find out come on at.
1: over <laughs> yeah i can find out google is amazing <laughs>
0: Walt, i'm so thrilled that we got a chance to burn <laughs> sour and more and <laughs> we should do it again with or without microphones real soon oh, uh, no no uh, absolutely uh, uh, thanks Ev- thanks for being on uh is that really legal with eric rubin it was as it always is a real pleasure
1: Same here, man. Keep kicking ass, dude.
0: Well, that was Walt, and I hope you enjoyed him as much as I always do and as I did then. Remember, his podcast is now called Be Raw Podcast with Walt Blau. Um, As always, please subscribe, share this podcast, go to www.isthatreallylegal.com and leave me your thoughts, um, and I'd love to hear them. Uh, again, please get active wherever you are. Even if it's a lock for your candidate in your area, there are places that could use your time, money, energy. You know, it matters. It's our world, folks. I just want to point out something. Recently, some very not nice governors of Florida and Texas uh, took some unwilling uh, people who were seeking a better life and seeking asylum legally, they stuck them on planes, they didn't know what they were doing, and they flew them to Martha's Vineyard. And they did that as a cynical political ploy. And it backfired on them because the people of Martha's Vineyard were kind and generous. And the governor of Massachusetts, a Republican, by the way, took care of these people and they were taken to an air base and they're being taken care of now i can't cover this story in depth it's not my job it's not what i do you should look it up though and you should see that we need to be not cruel but kind and i personally am tired of these fascist mfers and it's time to vote them out feel free to help me in that process be well love each other and we'll talk soon bye-bye